open our Bibles today to Matthew chapter 13, Matthew 13. We are going to continue our series on the parable of the sower, the parable of the sower. And as we're looking at this, we're going to move to the next step and uh, kind of find out what God wants to say to us today in his word. You know, have you ever maybe in your life gotten excited about something and then only after a little while you lost interest in it? You know, I think we all have. And sometimes when we get excited about something, you know, maybe just the new wore off. And that's maybe why we're not what, doing it anymore. And, and sometimes it's a cost issue. Once you count the cost of what it takes to, you know, maybe be involved in that. I remember when I first uh, moved out west, you know, I was going to be a mountain climber, bless God. So, uh, and I was, a little bit. Mostly a mountain going downer. But uh, anyway, we went out there and they taught us how to do things and, you know, what to do. And then once I graduated, you know, for me to stay involved in mountain climbing, I was going to have to spend, you know, hundreds of dollars buying equipment, you know, you want to buy a good rope, right? And then you got them little pieces of protection, those little ratchet-looking things that you slip in the crevices of the rock. And finally, I decided after I weighed the cost, I was excited about it, but I really wasn't that excited to spend maybe $500 to $1,000 on equipment. So I moved on to my next uh, little thing. And I think that's common. Sometimes we get excited about things and then we maybe lose interest or, or maybe things just don't work out the way they should. Now last year, a little recap of what, or last year, last week, maybe it's been that long, it seems like it. Uh, we talked about, to open this series up, we talked about the idea of having ears to hear. And that's a foundational thought because the parable of the sower is a foundational parable because uh, in Mark it says, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand all the parables. And when Jesus was explaining this to us, he was saying how you have to have ears to hear. Now, most everybody has an ear, or at least two. But yet, it's talking about the idea of what it means to be able to, to, to actually hear what the Spirit of God is, is trying to, to tell us. Now, one thing about parabolic teaching, two things happen. With parabolic teaching, it'll bring clarity or confusion. Clarity or confusion. It brings clarity to somebody whose heart is right with God. So they can receive the seed, the holy word of God, into their heart. But then also it talks about the idea of those who maybe whose hearts aren't quite right. Whose hearts maybe either can't receive the seed because of hardness we looked at last week. Or this week we're going to look at the idea of, you know, it received the word, but then, then they fell away. And the problem last week we looked at is the idea of a dull heart. Now, dull is not talking about boring. Dull is talking about not getting excited about God's word. We need to be excited about God's word because it's God's word that comes in and it changes our life. You know, I know for myself, I tried to fix myself. I couldn't fix myself. I had a lot of issues maybe going on through life. And there's some things I was doing that I was not proud of perhaps. And I tried to fix those problems. But I couldn't do it. It wouldn't last. But when I received the word of God into my heart, things started to change. 
So there must be something to this, and, and that's what we, we're going to continue on in this series as we're looking at the benefits of having the right kind of heart. You know, we talk about this being the parable of the sower. It's really the parable of the soil conditions. And there's different kinds of soils that we're going to look at as we go through this. And as I mentioned last week, we looked at the seed that had fallen by the road. Now on the road, people walk a lot and they pack down the dirt. And the seed would go there. And we know that the enemy come in. They said the birds, but that was a picture of the enemy. And they stole the seed before it even had a chance. And there's a lot of people in their life, that's what happens. Their heart is so hardened that they will not receive the seed of God's word and they won't change. So the passage we're going to look at today is uh, verses 3 to 9 in Matthew 13. And it says, And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil and immediately sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Then others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil, and it yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the uh, honesty and integrity of your word. That Lord just tells us like it is. And Lord, we yield to everything that you have for our life. We submit our lives to you. And Lord, I yield to the gift you give me. I use it for your glory, Lord. I pray for words that both pierce and penetrate to leave my lips. And we break any, any hardness or any stronghold in our lives that tries to steal the word or keep it from doing its work. And again, we thank you for the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So today, we're going to move to step two, the different soil. The next soil that we're going to look at, and it's talking about rocky places. Remember, this is the parable of the soil conditions. And Jesus said, if we can understand this, we'll understand all the parables. will give us a benefit. We need all the help we can get right down here, don't we? Because we're fighting the good fight of faith. And as we're fighting the good fight of faith, God's word comes into our life. And it's able to come in and change us and transform us and help us to kind of see things how God sees things. Because many times we walk in doubt and unbelief and it holds us back. And it's always concerned me that... As you observe, I hope you observe people because it helps you to learn things. And why do some people fall away? You know, right when in the beginning especially is what this is kind of talking about. Why do some people, you know, maybe get into God a little bit and they get excited, it says here. But then for whatever reason, they just fall back. They, they no longer pursue God. As a matter of fact, this passage even talks about more in-depth problems there, and we're going to look at those today. You know, it's always concerned me when somebody's excited on Sunday and they're backslidden on Monday. You know, some of them maybe last till Tuesday. You know, when I traveled as an evangelist, I preached for five years and traveled around the Midwest, different places doing things. And, you know, I remember in a certain persuasion of churches I went to, I went to various denominations and non-denominations. But some of them, they would just live Sunday to Sunday. And their whole experience was just about, you know, getting a touch from God on Sunday, and then they just plodded through the week, just barely making it. 
till next Sunday. And, you know, during certain times of the year, they had Wednesday night service. So all they had to do was make it from Sunday to Wednesday. Wednesday to Sunday. You know, and they could never find it in themselves or in God's word to start walking in victory. It seemed like the enemy was continually beating them. And that's not what the Bible says should happen. Oh, there's going to be some battles. You know, Peter was sifted like wheat. Paul had a thorn. So we're going to have attacks. That's just the way it is. But we don't have to live and walk in a defeated life. And that's what the message I want to share is the fact that we can live that overcoming life. Yes, there's going to be battles. Now, one thing about this seed, the sower went out. We know that's Jesus Christ, and he's going out to sow the word. He's the picture of the farmer. And the idea of how when they was always sowing, he's always sowing in people's lives. He's always trying to get the word out into their lives. And one thing about seed, seed has one objective in life, and that's to germinate. Praise God. Because only if it germinates can it produce or reproduce. A seed sitting there, on the, on the, on, like on the stage here, if we put a corn kernel there, it would sit there till forever. But you put that kernel in the right spot, it's going to start to, it's going to explode on the inside. You know, many of you did it in science class. You put that little bean seed or corn seed, we got the monocot and the diacot, that's as much science as I know today. You know, and you put those in there with that little uh, uh, paper towel or whatever and soak that thing up and in the right, the right conditions. All you need for a seed to germinate is two things. You don't need soil. Did you know that? You learned that in science class. All you need is water and temperature. So in the right conditions, that seed's going to germinate and it's going to explode and, and something's going to pop out. And most of us would like it to pop out fruit, right? It doesn't. What's the first thing a seed pops out? A root. It needs a root. Because without that root or root, wherever part of southern Iowa you're from, it's not going to be able to survive. And that's what we have to understand. Now bring these pictures over into God's word, people. This is what Jesus was trying to do here. He threw the parable out. It's a, it's a picture story so that we can be able to glean some spiritual things from it. Now, after, after, it, after it does that, see, God created seeds a lot smarter than some Christians, because seeds aren't stupid. They know what to do. Sometimes we make mistakes. So when that seed goes out and it does that, and it starts to do its thing, and it starts to root down, it's rooting down for a couple things. It's rooting down to try to find nourishment, and it's also trying to find stability. And that's what God's Word wants to do for you and me. It wants to give us stability in our life, so we don't have to be up on Sunday and down on Monday. Amen? And it wants to give us nourishment, strength. Now, if we were wanting to do an experiment, we could actually take a you know, pretty good handful of dirt, or bigger than a handful, let's say a half a bucket of dirt, and you could take that out and you could dump it on your sidewalk. And then you could take a seed and you can put the seed down in that dirt. And then you put some water in it and with the temperature like it is today, it's going to germinate. It's going to do, that seed's going to do what God created it to do. It's going to spread, it's going to spit out a root. It's going to come right out. And that root's going to do the best it can. But you did it on the sidewalk, right? 
So even though it, 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 something kicked in in it, to do what it was created to do, it can only go so far. Because there's hardness there. The root can't penetrate the concrete. And think about this in the idea of a condition of the heart, people. Because this is kind of where the rubber meets the road in our walk with God. And that plant, it's going to root down, and you're going to see something spit up out of the dirt, and it's going to start to try to grow, and it's going to do okay until the sun comes out. And unless you're there continually watering that dirt and keeping it moist, that dirt's going to dry up like, you know, cracker juice, isn't it? And when it does that, that root's going to die. Or another problem could happen. Let's say you're there and you do keep it moist enough. And the, but the wind comes along. And the wind will blow your little plant over. Why? Because it couldn't put a good root system down. It couldn't get a good base in its life. And so even though the roots tried to do what it could, it could only go so far. And that's the way it is with God's word sometimes. It comes into our life. It comes into our heart, and it does what it's wanting to do, but it can only go so far because it's only as far as we're going to let it. You know, how far are we going to trust God, and how far are we going to go with Him? Because that root's only going to go so deep. Now, the answer to this parable is actually over in verse 20 and 21. 20 and 21. It says, in verse 20, it says, The one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction and persecution arises because of the word, immediately falls away. See, there's a lot of keys here that we can grab a hold of that will help us in our spiritual journey. You know, there's hidden hardness, hidden hardness in everybody's life to some degree. Now, this person here that it's talking about, they have some severe issues, and we're going to go into a few of those. I don't believe anybody here has this problem, amen? But you might know somebody, right, that you can help with this. What I see from this is that's emotional Christianity, emotional Christianity, now, emotional Christianity is good. I believe sometimes we could use more emotion. I believe we could get a little more excited during worship, people. Praise God. You know, I think we could do that. I, you know, I know that we can come out of our shell a little bit more than we do. But this kind of person here that is talking about with this certain soil condition, they get real excited about God's Word. And I've, I've witnessed this in my own life and people that I've maybe ministered to along the way, that they get real excited you know, praise God, but they, they just kind of don't really get it. They, they're, 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 they're more feeling-based. And feelings are good, don't get me wrong. I probably need more feelings. You can ask my wife and she'll testify to that. I'm not a very emotional person to some degree. And that's got its curses with it, but it has its blessings too. I don't get too moved by problems, for the most part. I mean, I might get a little irritated from time to time, but it takes a lot to get me off my spiritual game to some degree, because I'm not very emotional. It doesn't matter. The pendulum swing doesn't really affect me. I don't get real high, but I don't get real low either. And, and, and God wants us to understand it's okay to get excited about God, but we've got to be careful that it's just not uh, emotion-based. It has to be faith-based. See, the problem that 
that sometimes happens in the Christian world is that we get excited in church about God's Word, but then we can't live it out in the world. And so it's, it's a difficult thing, isn't it, to try to explain to people. Because we tell them we're a Christian, we tell them that this is, you know, God changed my life, but when we live like they do and do what they do, you know, it doesn't add up, does it? So we need to get to the place where we can, you know, try, start to see that say, change. Now, I, I call this circumstantial Christianity. And something the Lord spoke in my heart the other day is that if circumstantial evidence won't hold up in a court of law, why do we let circumstantial evidence cause us to doubt God's word? There's a point to that. You know, you and I live in a world that doesn't like Jesus. And guess who lives in our heart? Jesus. So guess what's going to happen? They may not like you all the time either. Deal with it, right? And those circumstances change. It can be good today. You might be driving along and you're just praising God. You got your, you know, your Christian radio just blaring, telling everybody how big your God is. And you get a flat tire. Oh God, why did you forsake me? Well, maybe you shouldn't have drove across that last, you know, ditch you went through or went off the road because you had your eyes closed when you was driving, praising God. You know what I mean? Keep your eyes open. Right? You know, so just because you get a flat tire, does that mean God's forsaking you? There's people that think that, people. They take it too far. You know, we got to understand, hey, stuff happens. Things break down. Don't let that gauge your emotions. Don't let that be something that, 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 that rules you. You know, and, and somebody who has that hidden heart, hardness, sometimes, you know, they didn't count the cost. You know, they, they didn't understand the commitment that's required of being a Christian. As, and just because we're emotional about Jesus and we, you know, we can say praise God or hallelujah every now and then, that doesn't guarantee a true disciple because what happens along the way here is that hardness of heart is down deep. Now, God's the only one by the Spirit can really see our hearts, correct? I can't see your heart, you can't see my heart. You can see by my actions certain things from time to time. And we can maybe make some assumptions along the way. But there's a lot of good fakers in the church today, praise God. Right? How you doing today? Oh, I'm blessed. Deep down inside, you're hurting. But you don't want to tell somebody. So, so for all intents and purposes, and then you go home and say, nobody cares about me. Nobody cares that I'm going through this problem. Well, you just told everybody you're all right. What do you expect them to do, you know? Come on. If you have a need, let somebody know. Tell them you need prayer. Tell them you're going through a battle right now and you need a friend. I mean, this is, this is better than you guys are letting on today because this is practical Christianity. You know, nobody has to be perfect. We serve a perfect God, but we're not perfect. And that's why we need each other. We need each other to help each other through the battles and, and we're going to make mistakes along the way. But see, we have to understand that back to this point of the hardness is that um, we can't see below the surface really what everybody's going through 
But one thing we can always know is the fact that that root is not going to penetrate that hardness of heart. It has the ability, but I think God needs our will to line up with his will. And that's the key. God's not going to make you be a Christian. God's not going to make you do something. He wants you to be on board with what he's wanting to do. Now, what are some of the um, issues here that this person is talking about here with the hardness or has no firm root? When the Bible says, it's a key there, you have no firm root in himself. Well, that's telling us a couple things that we can, that we can try to understand. I believe it talks about the idea of preconceived ideas about the gospel. And what that's meaning is the fact that a lot of times when people come to Jesus Christ, they have a, already an idea. And I've used this illustration a long time ago, but when I lived in Denver, you know, I worked for a company anyway. One of the guy's sons, he found out I was a Christian. And he came and he says, you know, I want to be a believer. Man, that was easy. I didn't have to do nothing. Except pray the prayer, praise God. Well, then he says, I heard about if you give your life to God, God will give you a lot of money. I go, oh? <laughs> he, he came with a preconceived idea. And guess what? He was probably going to be disappointed. You know what I mean? He came to God with a, a self-centered, or what can I get out of this deal? I don't know about you, but I see it that I need him more than he needs me. You know what I mean? God can survive without me, but I cannot survive without him. It all depends on how we want to look at this thing. And so I know that guy, I mean, he might've, I might have prayed with him until I found out that part. And then I knew, you know, I don't know whatever happened to him. But I, like I said, I, I doubt he hung in there until, unless he got his thinking right because he had wrong thinking. Now, a lot of times people that get excited about God, you know, they, they get excited. They get caught up in the emotions of the yelling and the screaming sometimes. And, and, they, and, they, and they, they, they just want God on their terms, but like they don't have the repentance part. You got to have your repentance, don't we? Repentance means you're willing to turn from your sins. See, if you want God to come in on your situation and in your circumstances, but you don't want to make any alterations in your decision-making process, and you just want to keep living like you was living, there's something not going to work there. That's a level of hardness in the heart, right? You've heard me use that illustration about, you know, a couple women that used to come to the church here, and, you know, they were involved in, you know, extramarital issues, or not married, they weren't married at the time, but they said, one of them said to the other, well, how do you deal with it when you go out and, you know, have, have sex? Well, I just know God will forgive me. So I just go do it, and then I ask God to forgive me. And one said to me, that just don't sound right, <laughs> you know? Yes, God will forgive you, but if you go in there with the idea of you're manipulating and using God's scriptures, that's hardness of heart. That's the kind of stuff that the word, it's hard to penetrate something like that. So we need to make sure that we don't think like that. We need to make sure that we're, we're um, uh, uh, doing, doing the way that uh, God asks. And another reason why sometimes there's no root in somebody is past pain hinders a trust level. We all have pain, right? At, at times. You know, we've been hurt. Somebody's, somebody stabbed us in the back. Maybe your best friend, you know. Maybe you've went through a terrible divorce, you know, maybe, you know, let your imagination go. 
You know what pain's about. We all have had pain. And sometimes when we, we have that kind of pain, it makes it so we can't trust somebody. And we, we take that over and we can't trust God. Because sometimes in our heart, when problems come into our life, we don't want to sometimes blame it on the fact that sometimes there's a devil out there, which is true. Or sometimes we did something dumb, which is also true. So instead of blaming the devil or, or ourselves, we blame God. Because isn't God in control? Right? God's in control. God could have allowed this not to happen. So then we start to blame God, and that develops a level of hardness in our heart so that the word can only go so far. It goes so far in our heart until it hits that level of distrust, and then things start to unravel. And the last idea of this is, you know, the idea of that, you know, sometimes we struggle with insecurity. Insecurity happens, you know. It's, it's a little different than the, the last one about pain, but, you know, maybe we believe the lie instead of the truth. Have you ever done that? You know, somebody spoke words of death over you. Maybe when you were growing up, maybe you weren't pretty enough, maybe you weren't smart enough, whatever the case may be. And that insecurity holds us back from letting the word do its work because the word has one thing that it wants to do, The word wants to go into a good soil uh, of the heart and it wants to bear fruit. So if the word is greater as he that's in you than he that's in the world, well, guess how God wants you to walk? He doesn't want you to be afraid of the devil. He doesn't want you to bow your knee to the devil because the greater one lives inside of you, meaning God lives inside of us. So that's the word. And once you start to believe that truth, then you know that you don't have to follow the lie. And when we start to walk in truth and walk away from the lie, we start to live in victory. Now, this person here is talking about also the idea there is no firm root in himself and then... Here's what happens. Affliction and persecution come. This was in the picture of the sun coming down and, and baking the dirt, and then it withered and died. And, and that's kind of what happens. You know, the Bible says that those who uh, desire to live godly will be persecuted. There's going to be some things go on in our life that we're going to be attacked for. Some of them are just because we have Jesus in our heart. And that's just the way it is. We're not going to get away from it. We live in a pretty safe country, people. There's a lot of stupid decisions being made at Washington, D.C. I ain't going to lie to you. But we don't live in a place where Christians are being put to death and things like that, like some of our brothers and sisters are facing in other countries. So, so our battle is a little bit different. It can deal with maybe um, the, in our emotions and maybe in our spiritual realm to some degree. But, you know, these attacks, what they come from, they come from because of the word that's in your heart. And you got to understand, here's what Satan's goal is. Satan, once he loses us to God's kingdom, his, then his next objective is to make us so we're, we're not proficient or we're not successful in God's kingdom. And how he does that, he steals the word out of our heart in whatever way, shape, or form that he tries to do that. 
And he'll do it through pain. He'll do it through attacks or whatever the case may be. And that's why we need to guard our heart. Remember, we went back to that a little bit. And Proverbs talks about guard your heart with all diligence for from it flows the issues of life. So it's important that we guard our heart. That's why, you know, it's important, especially you young people, you know, don't give your heart away. You know, just so easy. And, you know, uh, you know, I know, uh, we know a, a girl that's had probably about 20 boyfriends in about two years. Just keeps giving her heart out there and gets hurt. And that hurt and that pain is going to affect her spiritually. So guard your heart. Reserve it. You know, make number one that it's, you know, right with God. But I remember something that happened a year or so ago here in town. Somebody had a fruit market and somebody went around and they sprayed Roundup all over their garden. That was one of the most cruel things I have ever heard of. I mean, I used to drive by that and man, I wish I had a garden like that. Then all of a sudden I looked over one day and everything was turning brown. Didn't understand what was going on. Then I found out that somebody, whatever reason, uh, I don't know the whole story, they're mad at them or jealous or whatever the case may be. Maybe it's a competition, I don't know went in there and sprayed Roundup and killed everything they had. And see, that's what Satan wants to do to you. He's wanting to spray Roundup in your life. He's wanting to spray that so that the word will die in your life so that you cannot produce fruit. Because God's goal is for you to produce fruit. That's the whole reason of the seed. The seed goes in, it explodes, and then it starts to root down. And after it's rooted down and has a good foundation, it starts to go up. And when it goes up, it starts to bear fruit. And so that's what the, that's what the Word wants to do in your life, and that's what the Word wants to do in my life. And that's just the way God intended it. But yet, we need to understand the reason why the enemy wants to do that is because the Word, it changes us and it empowers you. You A lot of people stop with the change, don't we? God changed my life. God changed my life. Walk around getting a tar beat out of you all the time. God changed my life. I want to tell you, God empowered your life too. Because like I said, greater is He that's in you. You know, we can walk in victory. We can beat back the devil. You know, I don't go around just boasting that I can beat on the devil, but if the devil wants to bring it, you know, I just ask my covenant partner, Jesus Christ, to step in. Hey, Lord, I need a little help down here. I need a lot of help down here. You know, greater is he that's in me. Jesus comes to my side. He's my rescuer. He's the one who saved my life. And he just didn't save me once, but every day he continues to save me from my stupidity, from the decisions that I make, because he's inside of me. He wants me to walk in a level of victory. You know, I don't know about you, but have you ever uh, ran into a sourpuss Christian? You know, and they go to work and they take all the fun out of life. And don't you want to have what I have? No. I don't want what you have. I want what God says I can have. You know, I don't want religion. I want the gospel. I want the good news. Oh, yes, I know there's responsibility with it, but, you know, we have to understand that, that the Word empowers us. It makes us understand who we are and what we have. The most dangerous person on the earth is a Christian who knows who he is and what he has. That Satan fears that. 
and, and, and especially a, a Christian that understands the Bible that won't believe the lie and, and get sidetracked on things that don't really matter in life and how God wants us to walk in now. So what happens um, in wrapping this up a little bit is the fact that the word, the seed goes in our heart. The Bible also says that every word is tested, so you're going to be tested that's just the way it is, and that's how this stuff really works. And as we're tested, it's going to do two things, because what happens when we're tested, pressure is released in your life. A lot of us don't like pressure. You know, Pressure really isn't that fun all the time, but it, it does do two things. Prefer, pressure will reveal weakness in our life, but it'll also reveal strength. So you really don't know. It's pressure's kind of like a test. You know, a lot of kids study for tests. You know, you got your tests you go through in school. Well, Christianity's sort of similar to that because we're being tested, you know, in our level of, you know, what we understand about God's word. And as these tests and trials come against us, you know, our response dictates our level of victory that we walk in. So that's why we got to count it all joy. I don't count it all joy that I'm getting tested. I count it all joy that I'm passing the test. That I'm holding on to the truth instead of believing the lie. See, the truth gives us something to head towards, while the lie will try to hold us back and keep us in bondage. And that's what the enemy wants to do. Like I said, once he's lost us to God's kingdom, he's going to try to make us ineffective down here, ineffective so that we can't accomplish everything God called us to do. Um, God has put a call on us, and, he, and, he, and we have things to do. So these, these, these problems, these things that happen in life, will either draw us closer to God, while it pushes others away. And that's what we're looking at here today. The person that we're looking at today, where the seed was sowed in the rocky places, is the person that gets excited about God. But when the persecution comes, they start to blame God. And that's what happens, is that when people start to blame God for their problems and the things that go on. Now, a couple of the people, now you got a proud person. A proud person will blame God because they're self-centered, and they think it's all about them. And we all know somebody like that. Hope we're not somebody like that, right? Where we think the whole world just revolves around us. And we're excited about God as long as God keeps blessing us. But when things start to go against us, we start to blame God because it's all about us. And then we pull back. The next person is the insecure person. This is the opposite personality. Now, the insecure person will blame God for not loving them and being there in their time of need. You know, they have a tax go on. And, and, and they receive the word and they get excited. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to do, yeah, all this stuff for God. Then the attacks come. God, don't you love me? Don't you care about me anymore, God? Yes, God cares. But sometimes we have to fight. We have to fight the good fight of faith. And that's what these people don't follow. The Bible talks about them falling away. See, they fall away. Now, a lot of people think, ah, oh, they just backslide. But this is more than that. It's the Greek word scandalizo. And it's talking about a stumbling block or takes offense. So it's more than just backsliding. That's where we get the word scandalon. You know, a stumbling block. 
It's talking about being repelled or offended. They stop believing the word. See, they get so mad at God that they, they almost go to the other side because they feel that God's let them down. They feel that God hasn't come through for them. It's kind of like a picture of somebody, you know, as they're, they're being caught in a trap. They're so frustrated. They can't get free, and they're, they're just so mad. They're so mad at God. And, 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 and what happened is they received God's word, but all they wanted to do was the benefit side of it. They never put personal repentance into their life, where they turned from their sins. So without going into this too much, remember the garden? You had two trees, Right? Tree of life, tree of knowledge of good and evil. God said, you're out of here. He kicked Adam and Eve out. How could he do such a thing? But see, they ate from the wrong tree. Only one tree in the whole garden, and they had to eat from it. And he had to move them out of there because if they would have continually tried to eat from the tree of life, they would have stayed in their sin without any change. And God couldn't have that. And it's the same here without personal repentance in our life, where we turn from our sins and acknowledge that we need that change through the blood of Jesus Christ to wash it away, we're we're, we're complicated. We're, we're, We're confused. And God doesn't want us to be that way. Now, there's a story in the Bible, you know, and because what happens when this person gets mad at God, they get rebellious. There's a story, a picture in the Bible found in 2 Samuel, verse 13. And it's kind of a a goofy story, but it's talking about the idea here of Amnon. Amnon was the son of David, and for whatever reason, he fell in love with his stepsister Tamar. And he wanted her so bad. Matter of fact, he, he even by stealth pretended to be sick, and he had the... um. He had him go get Tamar and have her make him his favorite food. And then he, he said, come in and feed me by your hand. Because he loved her so much. He wanted her so bad. When she came in to feed him, he grabbed her and he raped her. He loved her, he thought. But the Bible says in verse 15 that after he raped her, and it says, suddenly Amnon's love turned to hate. And he hated her even more than he had loved her. That's weird. That's hard to understand. But see, what happens with this kind of person, with this kind of soil condition, is the fact that they had false expectations. And when they finally got what they think they wanted, they found out that's not really what they wanted. They always want more. And God doesn't want us to have that kind of soil condition. So, if you're here today, hopefully we don't have this kind of soil condition. Now, I want us to be sure that we don't have hidden hardness in our heart. When I was a boy, I used to not enjoy this job. There's several jobs I didn't like doing. Um, One of them was painting the whole farm at, at the same time. I hated that. I didn't like cleaning out the silo shed because the wind would always blow the dirt in my eyes. And the next one, I forgot about fixing fence. I hated that too. It doesn't sound like I liked a lot, does it? But there was some things I enjoyed. 
But after dad would hire a bulldozer to come through the field to clean up some things, we had to go out and pick up rocks and sticks out of the field. We'd drive, somebody get to drive the hay rack, you know, the tractor at the hay rack, and we'd have to walk out through that field, been all tore up, you know, loose dirt that thick, and usually we'd do it when it was kind of not the best day for doing anything else. But we'd have to go out there, and we'd pick up all these rocks. And what amazed me is I had driven across that field many times before. I never knew those rocks were even there. They were hidden, hidden down under the dirt. Only when the bulldozer went through did it stir up the dirt enough to bring all that debris out. And I, want, and I really, what I was thinking about is the idea of God's word is like a bulldozer. When we get God's word in our heart, it'll go up there and it'll stir up things in us, our emotions, won't it? It'll stir up some things in our life. And then we have to choose to deal with those rocks. Now, what we did as a kid, we would lift them on the hay rack because it was a low thing to have to lift to. And then we'd take them down to the ditch and we'd throw all those rocks in the ditch because we didn't want to hit them with the disc or with something else and do damage to our, our, our equipment. But I want to challenge today. What are we wanting to do with our rocks? Let's pray.